0: Namo Tassam Pagavato ahato Samo Sambuttassam Namoithasam Pagavato, Arahato Sama samputtassam Namo tasam paravato arashato samma sambuhtassam. Uttang Dhammang Sankang Namasami So tonight is December 31st, 2014, 8.40pm, conventionally speaking. So... Uh, coming to the end of the year. And spoke with a few people today about this phenomenon of coming to the end of the year and, and for pretty much everyone <laughs> it was a little bit of a sense of well it's a bit abstract. It feels a bit abstract. What does it mean really to come to the end of a year and start a new one? You know? And I think particularly being in the middle of a retreat makes it all the more so because it's not like anything, you know, there might, there might be some fireworks somewhere, but they're not going to be in the backyard. <laughs> and, uh, you know, tomorrow most likely will be another day. And life will go on. So, you know, it's a convention to, to speak about the ending of a year and beginning of a new year. But it's like all conventions, you know, if you, if you breathe life into it, it has meaning. So, you know, we could just sort of say, we, you know, we'll go through the motions, you know, we'll do some little ritual and then, you know, carry on with our life just as it's been. But it is an opportunity, you know, the, this kind of annual event, it is an opportunity to, to look back over the year and see what's what's been going on, what's happened, and you know what has changed, what is what is much the same, what matters, what stands out over the year. And we're going to do this ceremony a bit later, where we have an opportunity to consciously. Or bring into, like really fully bring into consciousness what we recognize from the the year, or maybe even maybe the lifetime gone by, that uh, isn't serving us anymore, that we'd like to let go of and move on from. And so we have an opportunity to write that down and drop it, or throw it, or screw it up and chuck it into the (laughs) waste bin, or gently drop it. However, we'd like to do that into this very elegant waste paper basket, <laughs> and we'll take the sisters will take that back, and we'll use it to light a fire to keep us warm back at the vihara. <laughs> and uh, so it's a so it's an important opportunity because you know it's not just about making a New Year's resolution. And, you know, I, I want to stop eating chocolate and. Mm-hmm become a good person you know it is uh, it's we can we can give it more meaning than that so you know we are on a we're on a meditation retreat we're Dharma practitioners we're uh, human beings we're fallible human beings with a history who are aspiring to free our hearts from suffering and to be a source of safety to others and we're aspiring to that we might not have quite got there yet but we're working on it so you know this time this this day, this evening um, can be a, a way of strengthening that intention so the teacher was talking about Aditana Aditana um, rising to a a higher level or a, or a higher foundation. So this is an opportunity to do that through our conscious intention. And also as part of the ceremony we will we will be letting go of, of what we don't want to continue, what we don't want to carry on into the year, at least that, that we will work on not recreating that same old pattern. And we also have an aspiration, what we want to intend the new year. And uh, as we do each year, we invite every one of us to say that intention and to put it into a word or a couple of words, but not like a long, you know. <laughs> so in a word or two, we, we speak our intention and, and everyone witnesses that. It's very helpful because sometimes, you know, already by the morning... We've forgotten what it was. <laughs> so people remind us. So, uh, and a lot of us know each other, either we bump into each other in the Dharma circle. So I noticed um, last year there were people who, months later, reminded me of my intent, my aspiration, and I was like, oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Good that I met you right now. So, uh, so we have this as, um, as a skillful means tonight and uh, just you know we just had the guided meditation on the four boundless qualities there, the four qualities of heart or four aspects of love you can say so the the quality of metta friendliness acceptance loving kindness the quality of karuna compassion feeling with the suffering of of others And the quality of mudita, Um, rejoicing in the good fortune of others, enjoying the good qualities of others, appreciating the strengths and beauty of others. And others doesn't just mean human beings, it's much broader than that. And uh, upeka, or equanimity. Which is like having the, the bigger picture, the broader view, that knows the arising and ceasing of things, that knows the, you know, the cycle of birth, aging, and death, and all of the many things that go on in between birth and death, the loves and the losses, and the gains and the and the losses, and the you know successes and failures and uh, all of that so uh, or equanimity is that which knows the, the process, the pattern of life and, uh, and it can be a source of peace and calming. So Joanna Macy re- recently said that uh, most Western Buddhists go too quickly to equanimity. We want to go straight there to the equanimity. Peace, rising above it all. Yeah. And uh, we don't spend enough time with uh, the compassion and uh, mudita. She didn't actually specifically say that, but I, I would say that. Because it's, it's painful. Painful to open our hearts to the suffering of the world, or even to our own sufferings. It's, it's, sometimes that's already more than we can manage, and then we're asked to kind of open to more than that. It's like, oh my goodness. So let's just go straight to opaque. <laughs> okay, let's go there safe, <laughs> and I'll just radiate equanimity in all directions. Yeah, it's good. But uh, the Buddha gave all four, all four as a kind of—they uh, all belong together. They're all different aspects of of the awakened mind and the compassionate heart, or the the heart that responds to this process mm-hmm. of of life that we are in. So. Uh, Just reflecting on, you know, just in our little Aloka Vihara world, little world of Aloka Vihara, this last year has been quite, uh, quite a lot of big things have happened. So after four and a half years of living in San Francisco in search of a forest, with our lovely one tree outside the house on the street, uh, we, uh, we found this beautiful forest with a house and a dormitory that's for a good guest house, and a nice big parking lot, and friendly neighbours. And we moved from the city to the country uh, with the idea that we'd maybe rent it for a couple of years and then look for somewhere that we would buy. And then uh, so that's what we did with a lot of help from our friends. Moved up there. And then uh, Ayajayati, who's uh, who's been a nun quite a long time actually already asked to take full ordination and so you know not long after moving up there we started to think about having an ordination and a ceremony and um, and Julie and I did most of the, the main kind of bulk of the organising. It was kind of fun. <laughs> it was a journey. And uh, this beautiful event happened. And about a hundred people came together from all over the place. I feel moved just thinking about it, actually. From many places. And uh, as far away as Canada and to San Diego and then friends from... Bay Area and from Sacramento, Placerville, Folsom. And monks came from uh, Santa Clara and Sacramento. And those monks were from many countries. So there were monks from Sri Lanka, from Nepal, and from Laos, came to support this ordination. The going forth of one woman into the holy life or the renunciant life. And so, uh, and this happened on our kind of in our backyard, so to speak. It's not really a yard, it's a beautiful big meadow. So, this ordination happened. And before the ordination, uh, the, the bhikkhunis from uh, Dhammadharini in, in Santa Rosa and, and Jenna came up to help us make a sema, so there's a particular boundary that has to be made formally before an ordination can happen. And just a few, not very long ago, just a few years ago, this it you know, wasn't possible to do this in America because there weren't enough fully ordained nuns to get together to actually make them. You have to have f- uh, five. So people were going to Sri Lanka to ordain because there weren't enough in this country to do it. It wasn't very long ago. So, anyway, that happened before the ordination, and this beautiful coming together, and uh, and then, you know, parting, as happens. And then there we were, three bhikkhunis, <laughs> <a Luka> <laughs> and a Loka Vihara. And somehow that, I felt that process, that, that, that coming together, that uh, celebration and honouring and uh, commitment it gave a kind of blessing to the land I had the feeling like it was like a, a blessing and, uh, and a, a kind of connecting more deeply with, the, with that particular place as, as nuns and uh, very soon well already the uh, the owner of that land had the, the our landlord had put this house up for sale so that was a little bit sooner than we'd anticipated <laughs> so we were renting a place with and going past four sale signs every day mm-hmm. and, uh, and 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 so a little while after that ordination sister jayati's ordination it became clear to us that we should stay there and uh, and Saranuloka supported that and uh, right now in the process of purchasing that property. Mm -hmm. So, since May, you know, in the beginning of May we were living in a rented house in San Francisco and now, amazingly, all being well, it's not through yet, we have a few little awkward things, but all being well. um, Soon that will be like the permanent so-called permanent um, <laughs> residence of Alokavihara, that's kind of amazing just in this year and then um, you know we're nuns so we're not like watching the news all the time and up on current affairs or anything but there have been certain things that have stood out this year for me in this country and uh, just for myself recognising like have been here five years now and I don't feel like a visitor anymore. You know, I feel like I'm part of this country, and and the karma of this country is is part of me, and I'm part of it. You know, I'm not just this kind of separate person who's visiting from England. And it's, there's an integration. And uh, so, earlier this year, I and went to uh, the, the huge climate rally, and and. Lisa, and I don't know who else, if there's anyone else here. Claire. Claire, yeah, yeah, Claire. We're at the, the climate rally in New York. A huge number of, a huge turnout of people to... 400,000. 400,000, thank you. 400,000 people turning out to say, wake up, you know. Mm-hmm. This is something we have to pay attention to. We are destroying the earth on which we live. You know, we cannot carry on like this and uh, and in many countries and also other other cities other cities in the US and other countries in the world people came out and demonstrated on the streets to say enough is enough you know it's time to wake up now so this to me is a, it was a very momentous happening in this year and even though change is slow and old habits die hard i feel there is a, a a gradual shift happening and if it doesn't happen you know we we're in serious trouble so even if it does we might be in serious trouble but if it doesn't we're surely in serious trouble so it's it's wonderful that people are, are getting out there on the streets and saying wake up wake up so uh think uh, in terms of this country, the fact that there was such a big response, this is a, a really important um, um, kind of marker this year. And not that it's just like this year and then next year we'll do something else, but that, 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 that we keep on helping people to see and to turn towards the reality of uh, the effects of our actions on this planet Earth. So the effects of greed and, uh... Yeah, greed, I've you know, A lot of it is, is stemmed through greed. And uh, you know, I said she'd also mentioned the other day about, or maybe today, I'm not sure, about, um... yesterday. You know, the, the level of comfort that is expected in this country. Uh, it is. I've, I've been here a while now, so I'm kind of getting used to it. <laughs> 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 the house is actually quite comfortable, <laughs> but um, but I'm aware that you know this it has repercussions. So if if everybody in the world lives at the same level of comfort, it's you know is curtains, as they say, for all of us. It's maybe that's British. It's uh, you know we're we're in, it's, it's unsustainable. It cannot be done. So. There's that kind of uncomfortable reality that we have to give something up. We have to give something up if we want to see. Um, well, if if we ha- if we have care really for this earth and for the way it's treated. So it's, you know, there's there's care for our children, grandchildren. There's care for the the many species that are being. Uh, destroyed through uh, cutting down, clear-cutting forests, and leveling mountaintops, and uh, damming rivers, and all of that. There's a huge number of species every year that are that are ending, and it, and it's normal that that happens to some degree in nature. That that is what happens. Nature is creative. And, uh, you know, some species die out, some evolve. And that's the way it's always been. But the rate at which it's happening is unprecedented. So, you know, when we look at that, we see the preciousness of of this earth that we live on, that we're part of, and what we're doing to it. You know, to take that in and let that be an incentive for change... So we appreciate here in in uh, I am IRC the you know, the notes notices on the bathrooms and so on about water. It's really nice to see that, and and here it's very practical. There's a well. It's shared with other people. Other people are probably not overjoyed that there's you know hundreds of people going through this <laughs> retreat centre using the water. So you know it's like it's partly neighbourly relations, and it's also like, it's a necessity. And much of the time we we don't. You know, many places we're not aware of that. Turn on the faucet, and the water comes out, and uh, it's convenient, and it's nice to have a long shower, and I like a bath, and whatever. You know, and we don't uh, we don't think about the that it's actually a limited resource. And then it rains for a few days, and we say, "Oh, everything's fine. It's rained now." <laughs> so you have three years of drought, and you have like ten days of rain, and and we think everything's okay. It doesn't quite work like that. So uh, speaking about, you know, thoughts of renunciation. So it needs to go further than thought. Thoughts of renunciation and the practice of renunciation also. And it's not uh, out of poverty or or, um, Meagerness, but out of it can be. It can be if we put our hearts in the right place, out of out of love, out of care, out of concern, out of respect for this earth, for the many beings who live on this earth. So we give something up. This is the. This is. How, this is how renunciation is. We give something up because we know that in giving it up, we receive something greater. So as nuns, you know, we give up a lot of things. We give up a lot. And yet what we receive is, is incredible, you know, to be able to live as part of a community, a spiritual community, a Dharma community. It's beautiful. And uh, it's not that we get what we want all the time, by any means, but, uh, but what comes, comes through generosity, comes through faith, comes through care and that's incredible to live in that way so in renounce when we renounce we give something up because we know that we can receive something greater so in renouncing uh, you know having an endless stream of hot water we uh, if we connect with where that comes from then we can see like, well we're giving that up, that personal pleasure, in order to allow rivers and lakes to be a source of life for many beings. So there's a a joy in that, and there's a sense of connection, interconnection in that. So the the climate awakening slow awakening is uh, to me is one of the uh, the important milestones of this year in America and uh, another um, very big shift, I don't know what to call it really, So waking up, has been the, um, I'm sorry, if, if I do feel very strongly about this, so I probably can't say it without crying actually. Been the coming to light of the depth of of racism in America. It's very very strong. And something, sorry, it's something that I noticed when I first moved here. It kind of struck me. Um, Not as something that I'm not familiar with. You know, there's racism in in Britain too. But uh, there was a particular quality that was that was something that kind of um, surprised me, I suppose, when I when I first moved into San Francisco, just in our just on our street, you know, just things I would notice, and, and uh, so I started to 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 look things up online. Actually, didn't have a didn't have a laptop until I came to America, so it's like a whole other part of life now. That I can look <laughs> things up. And, uh, and different information on YouTube and, and different, um, different examples of, of how that is, is kind of in the culture, how that manifests and, uh, and then earlier this year, as so everybody knows, the, the, um, the shooting of uh, Michael Brown in, in Ferguson, Missouri was like a catalyst for this to come into consciousness more fully and uh, so when while this while this was happening i was uh, you know following that particular story and uh, during that same time i found so many uh, occasions it, it, even Physically near that, where that happened, and, and in time wise near where that happened, where other African American men were being shot in the streets for no good reason. And, uh, and as I was watching, I was, I was, I was, there was one particular video that I watched, it was, a, it was a, that somebody recorded on their phone that happened just a few days after Michael Brown's shooting. And, um, I won't go into the whole details of what happened, but it was it was an African-American man who wanted to make a statement and walked into a store, picked up two cans of Red Bull, walked out, and put them on the side the sidewalk and stood there. And uh, this was all filmed, and, and um, within minutes police came and he wasn't armed and shot him and it was filmed and I watched it and uh, what that was already really terrible to to witness but what shocked me even more was the response of the people in that, on that street and I realised they're used to this that is, you know that the response was it was shock but it wasn't like the shock that I that I would expect it to be. And I was, wow, you know, this is kind of maybe not that level, but this is kind of normal. And uh, I don't know. I feel a very visceral connection with this uh, this uh, racism, I suppose, and. it's something that's been in this country for a very long time. It's, it's like a, it's almost like it's in the psyche and uh, from the time of slavery and certain laws are made and uh, certain uh, ways of overriding um, the, the humanity of people with black skin that happened a long time ago, long, long time ago. And then we stopped and then we made laws and we changed things. And, and uh, on a superficial level, things changed. But something in the psyche didn't change. And, and what I'm seeing is that that's still playing itself out. That there's this uh, unconscious um, devaluing of lives because of some, I mean, relatively arbitrary reason, you know, because of the the color of the skin. So this is something that uh, we need to pay attention to because, um, you know, I'm not even like an American citizen, but I've been here long enough that I'm part of this country and this is also part of this country. And it's, it's deeply harmful and it's perpetuated by not noticing, not looking, not paying attention. So, uh, you know, might might sort of feel like, well, why is, why is she talking about this, you know? Um, I'm not racist, you know, my best friend's African-American or whatever. But, you know, all of us are part of it, 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 because we're part of this country. There's a a collective karma. And I didn't always understand what that meant, you know. You can kind of feel like, well, you know, I'm living like this, and and I'm careful, and I do what I can, and, and so it doesn't really belong to me but it does, you know, as long as we're not really conscious, as long as we're not as long as we can't feel that then we're part of the, the creation of it so um, so this is a an important happening in this country this year, that that exploded into consciousness. And uh, I think were like, there was one day when a, when hundred and seventy cities across the country where you know, people came out on the streets and stopped the traffic to say this is going on, this is happening and it needs to change. When I heard that I just felt so relieved, it's like whew, thank goodness, thank goodness. You know. Because there are, you know, within this this country, which has such really beautiful ideals, and, uh, you know, well, it's like everywhere is mixed, you know, there's a lot of good and a lot of not so good. But within this country, there is this the unconscious that is playing out and is, is harming people. It's seriously harming. And uh, so... Not quite sure where to take it, except that you know, this needs to be taken. We need to be able to let our hearts feel that. So, um actually the last time I sent the teacher were here in this room, um, this, this, this subject, we were we were at a teacher's retreat here in this room and and this came up, you know, the the um the unspoken racism that, that is that is sort of everywhere and it and uh, and the um, you know the Vipassana movement and how it is you know look at we look around and it is predominantly white middle class movement it is predominantly that way and and uh, I think it's changing it's broadening out but uh, it's easy to just stay in that place, you know, it's just me and my practice and I do good things and I'm going to work on this particular aspect of my personality and and that can be, that's valuable I don't want to diminish that but we are not separate beings we are totally interconnected, we are are influencing each other all the time we are part of each other and how we think and speak and act in the world creates the world. So, uh, I just feel it's really important to, to bring that in to the the room because I feel it's an important part of, of, uh, of this year in the USA. And if we make it conscious then we can be part of the transformation of that. And uh, for myself, you know, as, as, as nuns living in a predominantly uh, patriarchal system in the U.K. Um, monastic system, you know we, we got a taste of what it's like to be a minority to live with that day in day out and uh, and to be conscious of it to to hold that in a conscious way while the the comfortable majority don't have to feel it because it isn't really relevant and then if it's brought up it's an inconvenience and please stop talking about that because we don't want to hear that you're you're rocking the boat everything's all right yeah. everything's good and just uh, toe the party line and so uh, that's what happens it's not a it's, in some ways it's not even personal it's like a paradigm that happens it's a structure that, that that falls into place and there are those with privilege and those in a subordinate position and it gets stuck like that and the truth is you know we're all we, we move around, you know, sometimes we're in one and sometimes we're in another, depending on the context. But uh, that, that paradigm, if it's held in an unconscious way, is deeply, deeply harmful. So, um, so for those, so what happens is those who are in a minority position they have to hold like 99% of that burden. And the people who are in the kind of more privileged situation maybe hold 1% or maybe 2% of that, you know, the, the discomfort of that. And so, you know, those of us who maybe are in their more um, privileged position where we don't have to feel the, the effects of uh, prejudice or racism or I don't know, every, every day um, our, our work I feel is to is to share some of the, the, the burden of that to consciously invite it You know, not just to sort of say oh yeah, you know, I went to some rally or something, but to actually, to actually share the feeling. I'm not sure if I can really communicate this well. So, uh, like I was saying, you know, when... when um, I'll just use the example of our monastic experience, because that's my personal experience, so I can speak authentically from that, but, you know, where you've got a, a group of people who are consciously holding an imbalance every day and who work with that feeling and grow strong through, through working with that feeling. It's, it's not, it doesn't have to be a... One doesn't have to be a victim, actually, in it. You can grow very strong. It can be an alchemy. But still, there is this, this kind of imbalance, and... And if, it's, if part of that is given back to the people who are wanting to keep that in place, usually what happens is they don't want it. It's painful. Don't want that. That's not mine, give it back. Hurts. Makes me feel guilty, makes me feel bad. I don't know what to do, I don't know how to change it. So I'm just going to give that back to you. Shut up. So I understand that. I understand how that happens. And I also understand how it is to be holding the other part of it. And uh, so in the path of awakening, we are not. Uh, we're not leaving those dark places onto somebody else. We're not leaving the 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 the, um, the bits we don't really want to have to deal with. We're not kind of leaving that to somebody else so that we can be pure and holy and enlightened. That, it doesn't work like that. We're taking it all in. We're taking it all in to our being. We're having the courage to acknowledge that our actions sometimes our actions unintentionally through not, through ignoring cause harm to others and uh, if we uh, are really interested in awakening then even though it's uncomfortable and it's maybe may be painful, difficult, and we don't quite know how to do it. We choose to pick that up and, you know, dirty our hands with it and see, acknowledge it as part of our doing, our being, our creation. So ultimately none of us, we're none of us separate. We all, we're all part of the same process. We all share the same breath. We all made the same elements. We all slough off skin every day. Those of you who are sweeping here, you'll see little piles of dust every day. day—that's skin and hair and bits of cotton off our clothes. So we're all doing that all the time, we're all going back to the earth all the time. We're all being nourished by water and food. And that process is going on for all of us, all of us on this planet, all the time. So, you know, we're, we're connected on a, on a material level, physical level, and we're also connected on, a, on an energetic level, on a heart level. So we affect each other, we, we touch each other. So compassion is the willingness to feel. To share in the feeling of dukkha. There's a sutta where the the Buddha speaks about the the dharma is for one who feels and not for one who does not feel. I love that. Because feeling, you know, I'm a very sensitive kind of person. (laughs) So there's a lot of feeling going on. And... um, you know, it can be pretty intense and can be quite unpleasant. And can certainly, you know, some of the motivation I think in the early years of coming into monastic life was to be able to kind of get away from that, you know, just let me rise above that and not have to feel, not have to be a sensitive being. But actually, (laughs) you know, (laughs) the dharma is for one who feels, not for one who does not feel. So uh, you know, to, to have the courage to open our hearts to the, the, the suffering, not just the suffering in the world in some kind of grand abstract way, but the suffering on our doorstep, the suffering in our store, in our neighborhood, in our workplace, in our own hearts. And to be willing to go through that awkwardness of learning how to be part of this integrated world and to, to know what we have to give up. You know, we all have to give something up. So anyone in a position of privilege has to give something up. I remember when, when I first came to live in the U.S. in 2009, and uh, Sister Mehta and I were on the Thanksgiving retreat with, with Ashen Amaro, and it was at the time when this whole big explosion was going on about the position of nuns in the sangha and how bad it was and all of this. And so we have kind of arrived in that kind of, <laughs> felt a bit like a war zone, to be honest. And uh, I remember this woman, I'm not sure if I know who it is, but I remember a woman sitting at the back of the room after a, a, quite an intense... Uh, Agent Amaro had had opened up the, the room for discussion. And there was this quite intense, um, angry back and forth about what was going on. And at one point this woman at the back of the room said something along the lines of, I really... Understand how difficult it is for you monks, for the monks. I just want to really let you know how much I appreciate how difficult it is for you to be able to to have to give up the privilege of being in that position. And she said it from such a compassionate place, it was powerful. It was like, wow. You know, that was, it wasn't judging, it wasn't. uh, critical, it, was, it wasn't denying, it was just acknowledging, yeah, it's really hard to give up when you're in the comfortable place on the back of somebody else. So uh, it's not easy, it's not easy to you know consciously take in the, the more painful and unpleasant aspects and to give up some of the comfort and uh, protection, it's not easy to do. But I feel at this time, this is my opinion, and maybe some may disagree with me, but I feel at this time in the world that it's part of the process of awakening, that we can't do this without opening to that, that reality and letting it, letting it break us open. Letting, you know, letting, let, let yourself weep. Let yourself feel helpless. Let the shame be felt. It's okay. And the, the, the Brahma Viharas, they're a support and a guide in that. They are the, the qualities of, of love that encompass all of it. That are, that are not even really personal, that they're, they're, they're kind of universal but they, they are felt through our heart directly so we can let those qualities of loving kindness and compassion and uh, celebration of the qualities of others and equanimity we can let them be a support as we open to the the challenge of being born in this world. Of being part of this human race at this time in history. Here. So we don't have to keep it all out. But uh, we need to bring in the the skillful means to be able to open so that we're not kind of devastated and closed down and afraid or or uh, self-incriminating but that we that we draw on those reservoirs of metta karuna mudita upeka to open and meet the the reality of this the world so that we can be a source of safety and of uh, kindness as much as we can and we won't manage it every time. But we can work on it. So, um, so this is an opportunity to make our intentions for the coming year. And uh, I feel that there's a lot of richness, there's a lot that we can <laughs> you know, use there. There's a lot to be transformed. And to you know, really value the, the power of your, your intention and action in the world. So I feel that uh, very often dharma practitioners, you know, we, uh, we know quite a lot of you, um, and uh, of course we don't see you in every situation, but our experiences are frequently people with a lot of good heart, a lot of dedication, a lot of commitment, a lot of generosity. That, that manifests in many ways. So we, we experience it directly at the Vihara, but also we see people in their work, in their relationships with each other. And, uh, and yet the individuals themselves <laughs> often say, oh, you know, I just, I just feel like I'm so hopeless. You know, My heart's so small. I'm so bad at meditating. I did that thing wrong. I'm not really good enough. And so these are the kind of things that you know the mind the mind does that. It tells us those those stories. And uh, you know, I, I really really don't want that the, what I've been saying adds to that. I hope that it's actually strengthening and encouraging to to open and uh, to really use those qualities of the Brahma Viharas to to kind of open up a new reality within your being. So there's the old conditioning and I don't think it goes away fully, you know, It, it might go away a lot but it'll pop up again and again and then there's the knowing there's the the recognition of uh, well it's like the Buddha touching the earth, there's the recognition of our our goodness, our intention our efforts so we need to also call on that and uh, and not be bogged down by the um, self Incriminating thoughts, voices in our minds, and you know, each of us, you know, our our aspiration is—it's not a small thing—to you know, make an aspiration in a setting like this, that's witnessed by other people who have an aspiration to awaken. That we're all here together practicing, and we're making these aspirations. It's powerful. So, you know, our lives influence others. You know, what we do ripples out and touches other people. You know, we are not in, we we are completely insignificant, and we are not insignificant. Both both are true. So to value the um, you know, the way that you use your life and to let that valuing of your life gradually transform the the parts that are closed down or are, are harmful to yourself or others or are afraid or withdrawn. So to let that uh, recognition of, of, of each of our potential, not just potential in the future, but potential potency, let's say, to, uh, to ripple out something of benefit in the world. We're each, we're each doing it, actually. So to just really acknowledge that and to let that that, that um, flow into your aspiration <coughs> this year. So I'd like to offer that tonight. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> <laughs>